The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'd like to uh, welcome you to this edition of The Working Artist Project. And uh, Darian, what's going on? Gregory Aji, what's up, bro? Welcome back, welcome back to the show. And uh, we got a very special guest today, man. I, you know, I was I was telling my wife, man, because a, a lot of cats don't know this, but Ro- me and Roland go way back to <laughs> when I first moved to New Orleans back in what 2012, and and Roland would put me on gigs, and I was sad, and he wouldn't mind. <laughs> and you know, Ro- Roland would hang out with me and give me advice. It was it was great, man. I, and, and I don't know if you remember, but Roland, you we used to do these gigs at Mister Chills. <laughs> remember that in the barbershop? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chills. Mr. Chills. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Chills, he passed away. But well, anyway, y'all, let, let's welcome the one and only Ro- Roland Garen to the Working Artist Project. Woo! Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Wait, I, I got to go. You got to get your closet. Yeah. Uh, Ro- Roland, how are you feeling tonight? I'm actually feeling pretty good. You know, got... My little cup of coffee. Oh, that's killer. That's killer. Coffee makes hand. the world go round. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Twice. Let's, uh, let's, get, <laughs> let's get right into it. So, man, dude, you know what's crazy is that um, I actually completely forgot this until just a moment ago, but but you're you're a disciple of the great Alvin Baptiste also. And, um, I, man, I, I was just wondering if uh, you've been through, you've done so many incredible musical things and, and um but the thing that we have in common is the great Alvin Baptiste. So I kind of wanted to start there this evening. Uh, but man, how did you meet Mr. Bat? Yeah. And what was it like uh, going to Southern back then? Oh man, it was killing. That was one of the, the best decisions I made, you know, in my life. Um, I was, uh, I was set on going to Berkeley out of high school. And um, my band director in high school is a guy named Lee Forche. And uh, he was lead trumpet player for Woody Herman. And um, he lit in my behind about every day. You know, I mean, like lit, I mean, like curse me out head to toe. Knucklehead, such and such and this and that and this and that. You're talented, but you lazy son of a, you know. <laughs> and, um, and so he was like, you know, no, man, you need to go study with Bat. You need to go study with Bat. And I had so much respect for Mr. Forche. And I'd heard a lot about, about, um, about Mr. Bat. And so, you know, I remember they, they, um, they had a recruit team, you know, to come. And, um, and I, I made the decision. And that was one of the best decisions I've made in my life, you know. Um, but check it out. Okay, the year I got there, the Southern, huh? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said the year the year I got to Southern, Mr. Bat retired, and then so I spent really? that first year. Yeah, spent the first year, um, a year and a half or so without him, and 
you know, a ton of Wes Anderson was there. A ton of talented folks were there. Um, Eric Baskin was teaching. And, um, you know, so I, what I did is after that time period, I switched to marketing major to, to be a marketing major. And Mr. Bat came back and talked part time. But we both know that Mr. Bat's part time is nowhere near part time. It's like full time on steroids just because of his energy and his love to share and, and, and teach, you know? And so I got, you know, then I, I kept being a marketing major and I finished school in marketing, but I mean, I used to go share with Mr. Bat like 6 a.m. at his house before school, you know, and uh, Miss Bat would be in there. So I'm like, oh, you want some breakfast? I'm like, no, Miss Bat, I'm, I'm okay. And we go straight back to his office, computer printouts everywhere little punch cards <laughs> and, and we would shed and then, you know, shed throughout the day. Man, that's so beautiful. Yeah, man. That's, that's crazy. You know, yeah. I, I never, I you know, it's funny because I only got to meet Mr. Bad one time and it, it was, he was sitting in the back at Snug Harbor, you know, I, I didn't really have a relationship mm -hmm. with him. I only have a relationship through cats like you and especially through Greg and, you know, but but I I think mentorship is is extremely important. And like, what what do oh, you man. like? What did what did you really learn from from being mentored from one of the the greatest mentors of all time? That you something that the you only person in your career. Man, the only person stopping you is you. That's that's you know that's what he showed me. I remember I was passing by and I was in I've all I, I was always in between the business department and walking to my car, getting my upright, my electric or whatever, and going back just all day. And I was passing by the band, by the jazz, the band room. And he was in there playing this incredible lick. It was just this long lick. And then he would play it and start over. And then he saw me out the corner of his eye with the clarinet in his mouth. Come on, come over here, come, come catch this. <laughs> and so um, I was like, Mr. Bad, I, I can't play that. I mean, listen to that. <laughs> and so he would slow it down phrase by phrase and just play it. And after I got it about 10, 15 minutes, he'd bring it up and he'd bring it up to speed. And like, by the time we were done, it was up to tempo. You know, there wasn't uh, um, any question on whether I could do it or not. He just said, just do it, you know, figure it out. I'll help you. You know, I could have stopped and turned around and said, oh, that's too hard for me and walked away. <laughs> I put that base down and zipped it up from the bottom and, <laughs> and took it out and, and dove into it, you know. That's so funny because what that, that story you're telling me is like exactly, I remember that moment so many times. Like I'd be on the other side of the hallway at Noka <laughs> and he, I would just hear my name. <laughs> and sometimes I would pretend not to hear him because I knew like if I went, if I walked at this other side of the hall, I'd be in the room for like three hours. Oh yeah, oh, yeah at least, <laughs> at least. But yeah, man, and it was cool because like that process too, like he, he was, man, I totally agree with you, man. He was one of those cats that like always... He didn't push you like he he welcomed you to his limits or to your limits, you know. And and he had a way of like sh he did he showed you how to do the work for yourself, and he taught us how to learn, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I really love those moments. He, man. he showed how things are related too. It's like all instruments are related. He didn't play upright, you know, but he's the one that showed me 
He said, yeah, get that, that, that ping, you know, the ping. He didn't know how to get it or how to describe it. But then he started talking about the pressure that I would use. And he, he um, compared it to the pressure on covering the whole holy on a clarinet or a saxophone or any kind of, of wind instrument that I have to have that pressure down to get the tone. And not only that, but my hand shape, <laughs> you know, it's the same. It's, it's the same. You hold drumsticks, you hold all these different things. It's all related. The weight of my arms and playing and using the natural weight and the weight when you come down on the piano, it's just not your fingers just doing this. And it's all related. The weight of, of hitting the drumstick, you know, on the cymbal in a certain kind of way. And it's, you know, person could break down a whole whatever on physics or the physics of it. But, you know, it's all very human and it's all connected. And he broke all that stuff down. Breath and phrasing when I would play, you know, you are physically blowing to get the note. But he told me to do the same thing, and that would give me that representation of the phrasing and the breath, because all those are important. You know, while I'm not playing a wind instrument. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm I'm sitting here thinking about all the people that you you've had the opportunity to play with, from Marcus Roberts to, you know, Alan Toussaint, you know, all these great like i mean the geniuses of our time and do do you think you would have been able to get there without that kind of mentorship without somebody like okay let me help you reach your highest level without like i would say could be, before meeting and knowing marcus um yeah i would say at least two people mr bat and my mom you know, because uh, she broke it down early, and actually, she sub she sub for because uh, she plays bass also. She subbed some gigs for me, like playing with Mister Bat. <laughs> no way! Come on, <laughs> <laughs> she subbed some gigs for me. She knows Randy Jackson, oh, Herman, all of yeah. Um, that's so killer, you know. But like, <laughs> she she hit it home with "Don't hold back." You know, you are who you are and play your soul. You know, um, let it, let it, let it out. Like, just don't, don't hold back. There's nothing, there's no reason for us to hold back. You know, with, with anything. Um, You know, so it's, it's that kind of thing that, no, if I wouldn't have had that and then all that reinforcement from Alvin Batiste in the same thing. You know, uh, no, I, Alan, Mr. Tucson would have sensed it. Marcus Roberts would have sensed it. You know, um, all of, all of the folks, Paul Gilbert, I mean, they would, they would just know they would, you know, like, um, this is kind of a, a weird analogy and <laughs> it's kind of weird. I'm gonna say it anyway, but like an animal or a predator can tell if somebody is scared or they can tell when to mess with somebody or when not to. And it's that kind of thing. It's like when you have the confidence in you 
that you can actually do something. Not arrogance. That's a whole different kind of thing. Boldness is different. Boldness is it. You know, when you have that stuff in you, it's for one, it's comforting. And somebody hiring you, well, they know if they get the feeling that they can rely on you. So it's, you know, it's all, it's all within that. So no, my mom and, and, and Alvin Batiste totally helped in that. Even if I didn't know something, I know I had it in me to figure it out. Yeah, that's, that's so beautiful. Uh, you know, again, like kind of like um, talking about referencing what Darian was saying, like, you know, the, the cats you've played with, it's just an incredible roster of musicians, like cats like George Benson to Alan Toussaint to the great Marcus Roberts and, and many, many others. Um, I was wondering, how, how does someone, you know, from from Louisiana, from the South, right, leaving Southern, um, end up getting all of these like world class gigs and just like you know traveling the world and, and things like that? I don't know if you have any advice on how to do that, <laughs> or at least your experience I doing mean, it. My my experience, I you know, it was it was very fortunate, you know, and a big giant blessing of things one after another. I mean, before I, I, before I graduated Southern in marketing, Mark Whitfield moved to Baton Rouge. And so um, he actually married Troy Davis's sister. And from that relationship, and then they, you know, I guess he, he was not, I guess, I mean, he was asking around like, you know, who's a bass player around. And, um, you know, and they heard about me. And so they auditioned me and man, I had, you know, my sound was like, like nil, just null, whatever you want to call it. It was just, you know, a good sound, but not a loud sound, not one that could drive a band. So like in, in Mark's band playing acoustically with the big Fender twin <laughs> in the RE20, you know, and then Troy, powerful. You know, I had to work at getting that stuff together. You know, so I mean, that really helped push the whole thing. I met a lot of folks, a lot of the the great musicians that you know that that we all know. You know, with playing with Mark, and then from Mark's band to Marcus Roberts' band, and Marcus Roberts' band straight into Alan Tucson's band. You know, um, when I left um, Marcus's band, Reggie Toussaint had just asked me because I'd, I'd done some studio work and then sub some gigs and played some gigs with Mr. Toussaint. Reggie asked me, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm not Marcus's band anymore. It's like, man, well, we have an opening. Would you like to be in our band? I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It, it was a, a streamline of blessings in that sense. And, um, you know, how the series of events occurred in that, in that kind of way. And the same thing after Mr. Tucson passed, you know, then Dr. Joan asked me to join his band and then be his musical director and all. And, you know, so, I mean, it's how the events happen in life, but a very big blessing. Yeah, man, this 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 is one of those things like, you know, we keep having people in the same thing. Like you got to be prepared when that opportunity comes. 
you know, because yeah. because a person like you, you in the shed, you you are ready. And, and those musical styles are very different from Marcus Roberts to Dr. John. <laughs> and like, it's not like it's just like, oh, OK, it's just the same. It's completely different. <laughs> and if and if, if we have some some listeners on here who aren't musicians, you know, most of the people in I don't even know. It's like cooking different dishes. It's like baking a chocolate cake is one thing, but making making like a, a gumbo is completely different. Yeah. You cannot use the same rules and principles to do these two different things. Yeah, and that, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. That's and that's what you did, man. That's I think that's the greatness of you. Like how do, how do you how does that even work out in your brain? Like, are do you not pigeonhole yourself? Are you what? what how does that work out? No, I. I kicked it off loving all that music you know like i could go through um middle school or whatever and uh, and just growing up um a lot of those bands from this spectrum of genre to that spectrum of genre to, like my dad would play classical and jazz first jazz record i heard was miles smiles and then nefertiti and so Ron's sound was ingrained in my head because I put that album on and listen real close, like literally like this is the speaker and I'm right here and I'm picking out the instruments. And then we'd have uh, Star Wars. I put on that album with John Williams and <laughs> listen to all that stuff and listen to the, all the other cla the classical records that, um, that my dad had. You know, my mom would play blues and Zydeco and all day, you know, Clifton Chenier and then Bobby Blue Bland and and BB King and 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 she put on Al Green and then we would have all the music that we liked and I mean I would listen to anywhere from like the group the band America um, to Aha Kajagugu the Barcades um, Brick Confunction Daz Band to um, ZZ Top Rush um acdc def leopard um then just i mean going on prince and michael jackson james brown and i mean just a widespread hall of notes duran duran i'm and checked out thoroughly everything just because i love songs i love the stories and i really took it just moved me on how these things and grooves and things were created and how they made up these different styles of music. And then folk, we had folk music on albums from all, all across the world. We had folk music from Switzerland. We had folk music from, um, from Asia, folk music from Africa. And I would listen to all that. <laughs> I, I just loved all of it. And um, so even like in playing with Marcus, and Marcus even knew. He's like, man, because we went, man, we went to a um, a music store. You know, we've been playing upright night after night after night. And I saw electric bass. Man, I pulled that sucker off the wall <laughs> and I started going to town. And Marcus was like, man, I I didn't know you can do that. Man, why are you playing with me? And I was like, bro, you know why I'm playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's like, man, but I didn't know you can play like that. I'm like, yeah, I love, I love music. You know, it's, it's music. It, it's not like it's on Saturn or somewhere. This is all on earth. <laughs> we all drink water. We all listen to music. 
Yeah, but you know that you know people people listen people listen to music like they take their music like they politics. You know, people yeah. are like oh, I don't I don't like blue or I don't like country music. I don't like this. It's like damn, did you give it a chance? You know. Well, there's, I guess there's <laughs> that there's nothing wrong with preferences. You know, there's nothing wrong with um with having things that that folks like at the point to me where a person may just close themselves off and not be inviting in terms of um of of closing their ears to listen i think that's that's more of the problem um and that's a whole set that's a whole deep set but you know having an ear to listen is a really important thing and you know we are seeing it being a rarity which is um which is unfortunate you know yeah dude that's it all when it comes to music it all starts with listening yeah that's it that's the first thing yeah <laughs> man. It. it doesn't start with playing it starts with listening man i mean we were you know like my my thought of what um south korean folk music would sound like because i hadn't heard it up until then but we went to south korea and um it was with marcus and we went to a traditional folk music concert and I kid you not, man, I, it was dark. And then folks started like playing the drums. I was like, okay, this is, this is hip. Man, folks started singing and wailing and it, it sounded like a, a black gospel church. And I was like, I'm, I'm in South Korea. This is killing. And I'm blown away because of my thought of what I thought it may sound like was totally wrong. You know, and then I started going to the history. I started like checking out, well, you know, like a lot of things happen with oppression. A lot of things happen with a bunch of different things. And people are human and they voice this through music in a very similar way. And, um, you know, yeah, give it like if, if, if I would have had the thought, to say something like, oh man, no, uh, no, I'm not, I, uh, no, I want to watch, you know, Netflix or something tonight. I mean, I, I want to, instead of just going and, and checking it out and being open and, and taking it in, I mean, I wouldn't have had that experience, you know, so it's, it's that, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. We got to be open to, um, to new experiences and, and, you know, when we bring so much to the table, we, we, we don't, give ourselves the opportunity to, to find out that we're wrong. Yeah. In this, in this, <laughs> or, or, yeah. Nothing wrong with being wrong. I'll admit it if I'm wrong. I mean, it's just expanding our consciousness. That might be the better way of putting it. Uh, no, being, no, it's nice being wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it, well, we should, we should all aim to be wrong. Man. I guess that that's I mean, really a, a good thing to do. Well, you know? if, if you're open to, doing something the um the right way and you know what mr bat always said there's a correct way and there's the right way yeah, so we're open exactly. to doing it the right way um <laughs> uh, you know we've been kind of talking about marcus and um and the great alan tucson and i was wondering man, how like how like going into those two gigs like how were they similar and and how were they different in terms of your function as a musician and a bass player oh man um Honestly, they were really similar, even though 
the musical styles were very, very different. Um, the visual obvious similarity was my position. Like my position in Marcus's band was at the left side of the piano, right by his left hand. So when he would play, because Marcus was Marcus is blind, and so he would he he if he wanted to change, he would go and hover over a note, and I would see exactly where he was going. And when he would drop it down, I'd try my best to be right there with him on that beat. I'm, I was in this exact same position with Alan Toussaint, like living off of his left hand, doing the exact same thing because at the spur of a moment. He would go and he can go into an arrangement and he knew I was going to be right there with him. That's one of the things that he enjoyed, you know, um, with me or from me. Um, the other thing, similarity is their attention to detail. You know, um, in terms of, of detail with Marcus, he's meticulous. He's he's um, he will break something down to the their essence of it, learn it, understand it, and it built up from there. Everything about it. So by the time he's done, he, he won't necessarily say he's done, but by the time he's finished doing a lot of the work that he wants to do, it's totally incredible. And Alan Toussaint was the exact same way. He would break something down and learn something. You know, he had perfect pitch. Um, he could play a bunch of different styles. And he would tell me, he's like, yeah, I mean, I don't even feel like I've gotten something under my hands unless I played like a hundred or so times. I mean, then I start to kind of feel like I'm getting, you know, a little better at it. I mean, and Mr. Tucson was, was up in age, but. Is you know, and that's just in terms of playing, but same thing with arranging. You know, like the difference between the and the can mean two totally different things in the context of a song and writing lyrics, where you put. Um, a lot of these details and where you bring them in and take them away, they both had that kind of understanding on what that would do and how that would make people feel. Um, and that's, that's, that, that's a beautiful observation. And, and that, that was a, <clears throat> that was actually a great question because, you know, people, people, I guess it's something you don't really think about unless you're a musician, like, Oh wait, I got a different job. <laughs> it's the same instrument, different job in every band, you know? And that go, especially in the rhythm section. <laughs> <instrument. laughs> yeah. We're gypsies. We play with different people every night. Yeah. Man, look, I want to, I do want to take a moment and, 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 and switch gears to, to your sound, your music and what you're creating. Let's, let's, this song, this song you do, I want the people to hear it first and then we'll talk about it. But there's one called 28 Days. And uh, I, I want to play this one and then we'll, we'll hear the story behind it. All right. Here we go. Something to it. Tell me that we can work together. I heard a plan. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him too much of that. That's unreleased, man. <laughs> but yeah, that was interesting for me. You know, one of the first things I thought about uh, before Greg gets in here is uh, that that was a beautiful song. And the first thing I artist I thought about uh, as far as influence goes is it's a little bit like 10% I hear Prince, but then also I hear country yeah. music, which is like okay. And then yeah. it's also lyrically to me, it feels like folk, <laughs> which is kind of, I just, I'm just curious, man, like just kind of tell us a story about that and, and what's happening. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was approached, um, by, um, by my publicist, Karen, she was Dr. John's publicist as well. And, um, to, to write a song about, um, Kind of, you know, for for one song to help people. This was during 2020, and um, just bring awareness. You know, a lot of people were writing COVID songs, and I didn't want to write something that would drill something in somebody's head. I wanted to make it inviting, and um, you know, like if everybody would wear a mask for a month or 28 days or so, then that would cool out a lot of stuff in itself. It would have. Um, so that's where the lyrics and the intellect behind it kind of come from. And I wanted to make it inviting. So, you know, I was just like, man, you know, we, we can, we can bring this thing down, down, down. Yeah. We, we can bring it way down, you know? <laughs> so it's like, bring it down, down. Um, and uh, even like the, the, um, the little interlude part, it goes down, you know, uh, it goes down in harmony, <laughs> you know, and I can totally hear folks blowing over it. I mean, you know, you know, just, I mean, just all the way. <laughs> um, and so Prince is definitely a big influence, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite art was one of you know but still is was um one of my favorite artists and um his songwriting his singing like in singing um my falsetto is really high and my others the rest of my singing voice i can sing really deep and really low and that just broad range i just love to layer things and express things and you know there's no guitar anywhere like on the single, it's all bass. But his guitar playing influenced my bass playing. Um, and so that, I don't know, the, 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 um, the folk, the country, that kind of basic groove, just real straightforward, real down home, it's an inviting thing. And so like a lot of these, a lot of these different aspects of it to me help make it inviting. God, I just wanted it to be inviting. I mean, I know it's up to the person, the listener to tell if it is or if it isn't, but that's what I wanted to bring forth from me. And then like, there's one part a little bit where I don't think we got, we, did, we didn't get to it, but I totally put, um, New Orleans and Louisiana and, and Alan Tucson, like smack in the song. Like I just totally changed it up and did like a real vocal 
um, thing. I changed up the baseline and the whole thing. Then I went right back into it. Um, are, are you playing all the instruments on the track? Oh yeah, and I mixed it, and mastered it. And and just for everyone at home, I believe this is the track that uh, you were awarded the songwriting competition winner, right? Yeah, Burl Burl Audio I entered um, Burl Audio songwriting contest, and I won. And uh, this this song this song won it, and man, I'm you know I I'm <laughs> I'm still thrilled about it, you know. Dude, I mean that's so bro, cool, I mean, man. I, bro, I'm sure audio this equipment is sick. <laughs> They sent you some nice stuff, right? <laughs> it's sick in the best way. <laughs> it is so sick. It's yeah, it's you know, in the it's 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 kind it's, it's it's all a part of the same kind of thing. The human aspect of things, like what we were talking about with our mentors. You know, I love folks at Rupert Knee Designs and and Burl Audio. I mean, they want the purity in the sound in all of the aspects of of their of their gear to actually bring the music to the ear in the most natural beautiful way without artifacts and um you know to do this a lot of the gear is expensive but it's made with the best components that you can get in a way with an intellect that is is just crazy, you know, and so um, yeah, you know, it was it was it was and is an honor to to have won that competition. Yeah, that's that's super cool, man. Do you, do you see yourself more as a singer songwriter kind of vibe now, or like how do you see your your artistry and your musicianship like uh, developing and moving forward? Oh man. Um, and and also as a songwriter too, what influences you to to write music? Um, I've always seen myself as a songwriter that plays bass. I didn't look at myself as a bass player until probably maybe fifteen years ago, twelve, fifteen years ago, something like that. Then I was like, okay, I'm a bass player, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, but I'm I'm a songwriter still that plays bass, you know. Even in, in bass lines, when I first started playing with Mark Whitfield, I didn't, I didn't know anything about bass lines. I would play melodies on the bottom <laughs> and just walk melodies with the feel of the feel that I love from, you know, Sam Jones and Ron Carter and Paul Chambers and, you know, Oscar Pettiford, and Jimmy Blanton. And I would put that feel in it in Mingus and, and, but I didn't know anything about bass lines. So Mark actually started helping me with that. And Marcus took it and we he helped me a ton with that. Um and so, you know, but still I would I would play bass lines, even in the jazz context, that hopefully if you just solo the bass lines, they're still playing melodies with this intellect behind it or within it. Um and so that 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 like that just never changed. And I've always loved stories. And um, you know, once I um I mean, like playing with Alan Toussaint, it was such a great experience. I can't even like describe in words, but 
you know, he would like, I don't know, he probably heard at least 50% or more of all my original music released and unreleased. And we would talk about him, we would text about him, we'd email about him, we'd on trips, you know, and he'd give me suggestions, some things like he'd say, man, just, you know, in the very elegant way, you might want to try this or don't touch that, you know, um, his, his detail in the story and musically telling it, um, you know, so I mean, in a way to me, it's all like, it's all related. It's not, like it's something different in terms of jazz basis, singer, songwriter, composer, electric basis, because I'll use all the same stuff in the same intellect. Even on electric bass, in terms of, of, of the resonance of an upright, I remember I used to um, shed, man, like three hours, four hours, five hours on one note. <laughs> Over and over and over again, I would play that thing and hit it. I would let it resonate as wide as I could get it without hitting the other strings. And then as soft as I could get it with still not being anemic, with still getting the fullness of the tone. Um, and then I would go to different levels in between and I would learn what that felt like. And I still do the same stuff on electric. They're not, I'm just not playing. I'm not hitting the string any old kind of way. If you if you break a note into like four parts, you know, one, the two, then three, then four, and that's the full length of the note before you play the next note, I would shed and master each part best I could to give um, a song and playing a song um, meaning, excitement, you know, sometimes I can hold out a note longer and that creates more buildup without actually like, you know, just bashing the bass or something like that. But I could <laughs> bring intensity into different things just with the length of certain things or the attack of certain things. And, you know, um, yeah, so, that, I mean, that, that's that, that's actually beautiful, Roland, because uh, it, it that just made me think of something that Troy said to me once mm -hmm. and i was checking him out playing i think it with jeremy uh at the ritz yeah this is years ago and he just looked at me and said man have you ever mastered anything and i was like oh shit like <laughs> so so like because what you're talking about is 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 mastery in in i mean like you said alan tucson mastered the art of telling a story yeah. And, and I like I like how you threw that in there subtly. I like how you threw that in there. <laughs> and it could because as a songwriter, as you know, as a person like you who's a songwriter, you have to master that first. Like, you know what I mean? Like we we only listen to certain songs because of the story, not because of the cool chord changes. No one gives a shit about that. Yeah. yeah. I don't listen to I don't listen to beat it because of the chord changes. Who cares about <laughs> that? You know? <laughs> so that that's that's beautiful, man, because what you're showing is like you you are you pay attention to details and you, you're trying to figure out how can I do this better at every level? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah. The right? every level that's is, what you're saying. Totally. The every level is, is killing, you know, same. I mean, it, it's, it's the exact same thing with this. Okay. Um, you know, um, 
like this instrument is an embodiment of history and future. Like it gets a totally different sound, but it can get the sound like, you know, like on ABC, like on all those. So you got you got you to tell the people that you built, you designed this whole instrument from head to well, toe, right? Well, this is like the body itself. This is this is a prototype um, to, to have the custom built base. I've been as mentioned where well, they told me that I wasn't going to be able to have a custom base until next year. And they said, like, what we can do is we can build you a prototype. This is the Tallman um, baseline of, of Ibanez. So we can take the Tallman um, TMB 605 or 505 and build you a prototype. And you can have that sooner. I'm like, soon, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then so they, yeah, they they got the Tallman. So I, I started investigating what kind of what kind of sound, what kind of pickups what it would cover, what kind of styles it would cover, um, and the flexibility of it, you know, um, in terms of not just a bass player playing on gigs and things like that, but for studio production, what sounds good, you know, what kind of um, thing will translate on recording well, would sit well in the mix, just plug it up and let it go. And that is this thing, right? I kid you not. Um, you know, Sting's a big influence on me. And if you look at like the bass that he plays, it's it's a it's like a 51p. I don't know, look, folks, it's it's the subverse, it's kind of it's it's got the one pickup, the P, you know, the original P bass pickup, maybe a 56 mod, I don't know. But um, but that sound with the um the police and all that. That's that sound, you know, along with a ton of other records. It, it just, you know, but also like this particular, this particular sound. I mean, you can, I, I can all the same stuff I got from Elvin Jones and, and studying him, studying his ride symbol, you know, uh, playing within the feeling and pushing the rhythm instead of playing all the in-between things you can push it and have all this space happening marrying that with a pocket way feeling <laughs> marrying like just a bunch of other things like there's a bunch of tools that are just there marrying that with like the details that mr tucson would put in his music with the with the lyrics the emphasis on certain parts of the word, breaking it up a certain kind of way to help tell the story. Um, and then the things I added to it in putting melody in the bass and building parts up on top of that. And then it just makes stuff sound 
giant with only a small group of people. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Look, I, I, before I do want to make sure people know what's up with this base because uh, this this is important. This this is you are partners with Ibanez, and then you said I need a certain sound, so you designed this base. You're gonna eventually get to doing this from head to toe, but they had to use some some components they already had. And you were telling us earlier what's special about it. It's got yeah. two pickups or something, right? I'm not a bass player, so you can't. But anyway, yeah, it's got so, special pickups. Now these these pickups are, are Carrie Nord. Yeah, they're, they're Carrie Nordstrom pickups. Ibanez Electronics and Ibanez um, stock bass with the customization done to it to bring the sound about. Now, this is a. Uh, it's an original design um zen blade so one long blade that, that just like has the notches to make it look cool but it, it basically just picks up um people look at that kind of sounds like a jocko sound now fender has a jet ja uh, um a pj uh, um, a precision jazz bass with a, a split P bass pickup, P bass pickup, and then a jazz pickup. That this one had a Zen blade, which the Zen blade is warm. This one is very warm and punchy, very versatile and pure sounding. Um, it can be in a passive. Um, it can be passive control back here. And then active, I have there, um, volume. Right here is Ibanez's very mid uh, pickup EQ system. So it's a mid-range sweep actually sweep to whatever mid-range frequency I want or boost it. I have bass cut and boost and treble cut and boost. And so it's, um, it's extremely cool and the combination of pickup got a different sound to it, but it's very familiar. Okay, cool. What yeah, you got, all, Greg? That's all killing, man. That's Congratulations on, on getting that new baby out. That's really sick. <laughs> Um, but we're, we're kind of coming up on time and, and I just wanted to Appreciate ask one that. last question. Um, yo, for, for the young cats listening, yeah. um, what, what do you have any, uh, like, uh, any, any piece of advice you can give the cats out there who are looking to, uh, be in, be in your shoes or not in your shoes exactly, but, but live, you know, like be out there working and, and playing with great musical artists and creating great art like you are. And, uh, like how, how do they make that happen? I would say, you know, be honest have humility, great work ethic. Because we're all human and being around folks that are honest <laughs> and that are really, you know, have, have a level of humility, you know, and that if we ask them to do something or if we ask to be a part of something that and um, they 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 can produce, and they're they're 
they're trustworthy and 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 you know i mean those are basic things but they go they go a long way rolling you break you breaking up a bit okay i think we got i think we got the gist of it which was was beautiful and and cats you know work hard be humble and uh never stop dreaming that's where it's at like Mr. Bat said, be at the right place at the right time with the right equipment. There you go. Hey. <laughs> That's right. That's where it is. That's Listen, where it is. Like Greg, Greg said, we we are coming up on time, man. Roland, man, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, y'all make sure y'all y'all uh look for Roland everywhere on the social media and uh Go f- I'm sure he's on Ibanez's website. Make sure you when when it's public, go buy that base. Let Ibanez know you bought it because you heard it here and you, and you love it. <laughs> and you love Roland. That's what's up. So, uh, <laughs> but man, Roland, man, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the Working Artist Project, bro. Yo, thank you so uh, much for being here. It's, it's such an honor to have you, man. You, you were no, one of man. inspirational cats from this area. And man, thank you. No, I appreciate yes. y'all having me. Totally. Totally. Absolutely, y'all. Absolutely. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. I'm Gregory Ajeed. And this is the work on this project. We'll, hey, Rolling Gear, yeah, we'll catch you. <laughs> come on. <laughs> we'll, ca- <laughs> we'll catch y'all next time. Later, y'all. Peace. <laughs>